Coming up on today's episode, it's 2018 all over again for all the wrong reasons. We break down Flurry stealing another one in Winnipeg. The Stanley vs. Kaprizov incident. Hellebuck gets the Bronx cheer and what to do about the stinky power play. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it to close out the week. Excited to spend a weekend ignoring the Winnipeg Jets. I'm ah, just kidding. A little bit. Maybe. Not really. It's nice to not do one immediately after a game and kind of lose your mind for a little bit i had to play um pga 2k on uh on my playstation earlier um i created course in japan so i could like get nice and tranquil and, and serene <laughs> serenity now serenity now it was the only thing to to call me down a little bit um so i'm feeling okay right now uh cjob's tyson rewicki joining us once again and it was actually cjob's tyson rewicki who brought this to my attention, but apparently, somehow, this is the 200th episode of Skates and Blades. And in honor of that, we're going to give away 200 bucks. No, that's actually never going to happen because I I would like to have groceries for the week. Um, but Tyson actually had a, a pretty good idea. Um, and so what we're going to do to start off the episode is we're going to count down in honor of our 200th episode. Our 200 favorite Jets in the 2.0 era, starting at number 200, Eric Tangrady. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, that would be more fun than actually talking about what's going on with the Jets right now. I'm kind of tempted to do that. Instead, what I'll do is this. Who's the most... Who's your... Either who's your favorite 2.0 player from, like one of the first couple of seasons or who's the most random jets 2.0 player that you can think of off the top of your head oh this this is a good one the jets 2.0 they've had some deep cuts like they've had some really deep cuts i think most random i might, I might go with james wright did james wright play like he I, oh, he played no. 100 games with the jets and and no one remembers him no, no, that's not true. Everyone remembers him because there has never been an NHLer that failed to score as poorly as James Wright did. I gotta check his <laughs> he he had the worst hands, I think, in NHL history. But I my my favorite jet from the 2.0 era by far is the one and only the full head of hair version of him, Oli Okanen. I mean, bringing Oli Okunin, I like Oli Okunin's one of my favorite players just because of who he is. It's not like he was a he was a pretty underrated player, but it's just something about Oli Okunin. You just look at him and you're like, there, oh, here's Oli. Here comes Oli. That's a great call. I totally, I totally forgot. I forgot that he was like the stopgap for Mark Shifley. And and he was like a big signing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Two, I think it was two years, nine million. If I if I remember correctly. And the excitement lasted about two and a half periods. <laughs> so that's yeah. I, I, I always forget Oli was with the Jets. 
My I don't know I don't know how much more random it can get than this, but do you remember Mike Santarelli Tyson? Oh yeah, Mike Santa. He was a shootout master. He was, yeah, he was a longtime Panther, I think. I don't know why he popped into my head, but then I looked it up and he was he was one for one, or no one for two in the shootout for the Jets. So he might he might be the most deadly effective shootout player the Winnipeg Jets have ever iced, but he played ten games with the team. Ten memorable games, one memorable assist, and the Mike Santorelli era ended before it ever really got started. <laughs> and even, you can't forget Tim Stapleton, too. Tim Stapleton, oh, he's Cal Elwood. Cal Elwood's another one. He, he's up there with Oli. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I don't forget Tim Stapleton. He's he's like a, he's a fun dude. Um, just kind of looking at it here, it, it really is a shame that um, – Nigel Dawes never suited up for the Jets because he was always top dog at Pine Ridge where we used to golf all the time, and, and him and his dad are just the ultimate beauties. Um, king of but what, am I, what was that? He's the king of Kazakhstan now. That's right. Yeah, he is. He's the Kazakh, the, the Kazakh king. Um, <laughs> oh, I just closed the tab. Archer's cool. That was a guy I always I always thought I oh. thought cool that was going to be the next big defenseman. And um he had a good first year for the Jets, and then he kind of just disappeared. I don't know if he ever played hockey again after that. Oh, good times. Yeah, I, I do. I really do wish we could just count down the 200 best 2.0 Jets. But, we can't, I mean, I guess we could. I'm going to choose not to. And I guess, unfortunately, we, we got to talk about this is still 2.0. We, we got to talk about the latest reincarnation of this team. And it's just not fun right now. <laughs> like it's these games aren't fun. I mean, you had the brief respite in that barn burner against the Oilers on Saturday. And I said too, hoping that this would be the the springboard to greater things for the Jets. You win a game like that, and you know what? You find a way to maybe turn this into a four or five game win streak. And the San Jose game made sure that that got nipped in the bud right away. And then we have the wild game on Wednesday night where the team didn't actually play terribly. The game just went terribly. And it seems like everything that can go wrong is finding a way to go wrong for the Jets right now. I think this is a game, like if you take a look at it just as a game, one of 82 during the year, you could look at that as a fan and go, yeah, it's just unlucky. It's the way it goes. Play like that. We're going to be just fine. But the Jets haven't given themselves the benefit of the doubt to do that. And what might be a solid performance on the stat sheet still ends up being a frustrating as hell, disappointing game to watch and really puts another blow into the Jets' suddenly disturbingly low playoff odds here. Um, what was your main takeaway from that 4-2 loss to the Minnesota Wild on Wednesday, Tice? And one word, frustrations, right? Like, we've just... It wasn't the worst game that we've seen this team play in this last little stretch. Like, obviously, the, the shots on goal were heavily in favor of the Jets, and they did generate some good chances throughout that game, but it's just underwhelming still, I feel like. I, I'm just waiting to see the those big games from the big guys when when they need it, like... Guys like Kyle Connor. When when's the last time he's had a like a standout game? He's been really struggling right now, and it's 
it's tough because for guys like that too, when the playoffs come around, there's not as much time and space. You're going to have to create your own opportunities and you're not going to be able to find those soft spots in the ice as easily to score those goals. And that's kind of what Kyle Connor is so good at is finding those soft spots. So when things tighten up, how, how are you going to find other ways to score for this team? And then one of the big ways that you can do that is you contribute on the power play, but the power play right now is in shambles. There's no, no cohesiveness on any unit, no matter who gets put out there. There's not enough movement, too much stagnant. Like there's just not enough movement. And these guys, you have to learn that we can't just keep trying these cross ice passes. These cross ice passes are oh, the cross ice passes. If I see another cross ice pass on the power play get picked off, I might break both of my legs on purpose. It is just so <laughs> it's so painful to watch. And I like I get it. Like I mean, that's how you score in the NHL, it's, right? Like. But it, it's it's to what you're speaking on there, and let yeah, let's start with the power play because that to me was the most frustrating part of the night. You know, the Jets five on five played pretty good, if not really good, against a, a solid Wild team. Then the power play just steps out there, and I, I said this on Winnipeg Sports Talk: the Winnipeg Jets power play right now is an energy vampire. It just sucks whatever life is in that building right out. And it's almost handing the momentum to the other team and killing whatever good vibes the Winnipeg Jets have going at that time. It it, it is it it's it's really rough to watch. And what makes it even more frustrating to me, Tyson, all those problems you mentioned are one hundred percent correct. Everybody's pretty much standing with cement boots on. Nobody's really moving around all that much, and they're trying really predictable plays. So they're static inside the offensive zone and they can't break into the offensive zone if their lives depended on it, on that first power play unit. Like it's, they get the puck chipped out of the zone and then it's like, all right, well, here comes 30 seconds down the drain because we're not going to get possession for a little while here. And what's frustrating about that is there is such an easy solution that exists on the roster right now. And I know people are probably tired of hearing Ehlers gets the raw end of the stick. Ehlers doesn't get, oh, poor, poor Nikki, poor Nikki. But he can fix this issue immediately, like just by putting him out there, right? He's an ent- a zone entry machine. Like that, 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 that issue can be corrected just simply by putting him on the power play. And then having him out there with that top unit, he's one of the few guys on this team that, refuses to stay static at basically any point like he's always going to be out there moving and i think just the simple swap of wheeler for ehlers would be enough to get this power play going again and we saw it against the islanders what happened he was on the power play and he scored and they took him off it's like what are we even doing here like did did he like kick someone's dog like is, is there something behind the scenes i'm unaware of as to why we're not putting one of the most talented players on the team on the first power play unit and on top of that, too, you know, having to, to me not only swapping Wheeler and Ehlers, but also having Ehlers take over Mark Shifley's spot on the half wall there, to me, is another thing that can help open up some lanes and provide some different looks for the opposition. And what makes that good is we know Ehlers is so good, you know, on the second power play unit, getting the puck with speed, coming down, and then either shooting it with authority or finding a lane to pass the puck through. So you take Ehlers and put him on that side there. 
And then what that also does is it puts Mark Shifley in the spot where he's had the most success at the NHL level on the power play, right in the middle of the ice, ready for a one-timer, kind of the bumper spot area there. And you're putting everybody in positions to succeed. It's just, to, to me, it's all right there. I, I just, you say frustration setting in. That, that to me is, you know, from a fan perspective, why frustration is setting in because... If it doesn't work with Nikolai Ehlers, then you could try and, and go back to something else. But we've seen it work with him, yet they refuse to go back to that setup. And it's 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 mind. It's, it's just absolutely baffling by this team. Yeah, and, and part of those frustrations, too, is just the how little change there's been this year, right? Like, there really hasn't been a lot of tinkering with the power play units. And for some reason, and well, not for some reason, but you see that this team just isn't getting anything going and changes aren't necessarily being made besides adding, you know, Nino right to that top, to that top power play unit. But Nino's kind of just a, a spot there, right? Like he's just played in the bumper. He's just waiting for, he's waiting for a pass in the slot, but those don't really come to him. It's more so just kind of playing along the perimeter, trying to get some, trying to hope that lanes get opened up, but they never do because you're standing still and you, you made a great point about when Ehlers comes down on that left side on the power play where Mike, where Mark Shifley is. And when he's coming in with that speed, it just opens stuff up more because you have to send a guy out there. You can't just let him walk in with a clean shot. And so when a guy goes out to, to try and take away the shot, things just get opened up all around the ice. And that's what the great power play units do is that there's a constant movement. There's constant puck, puck movement to different areas of the ice and guys are in different spots and it just, leaves penalty killers with so much more to think about instead of just let's stack the box, keep everything out to the outside and hope that they, a one-timer doesn't get through and go in. And for the most part, especially in today's NHL with the, how good the goalies are and how and how effective some of these penalty kill units are, the one-timer isn't the high percentage shot that it used to be, right? Like we, you, we're needing more goals from the bumper area, more deflections. Like that's where you see a lot more of these power play units get their goals. And even the Oilers, like, I mean, it helps when you have two generational talents on your team, but a lot of their power play goals are from movement from McDavid coming in from that spot where Ehlers comes in. He spends a lot of time there. Dreisaitl's moving from below the goal line to the, to the half wall, sometimes even to the top of the point. Like, it's just having that movement. But the Jets, it's this is my spot. I'm staying here. And I, I, I think that just needs to change because all these other teams in the NHL have adapted their power plays and, the top teams, you can you notice when their power plays out there. You're scared, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I, I did make a great point, so I, I I do agree with that. Um, but but that I mean, it's just been so long since we've seen a smoothly run power play by the Jets, right? Like when when's the last time we saw them get the shot that they want and then you know connect on that and and, and get the play down pat it just it, it feels like it's it's been forever there so i mean to me this this Blake Wheeler below the goal line thing i i've i've seen enough i don't need to see that anymore this year it's just, so it's just not working it's so predictable too like there's only so many things he can do there and you know he's not going to try and snipe on short side it's just take away the pass across what's well, he going to do the whole the whole reason you go below the goal line like behind the net is because the goalie at that point has no other choice but to hug his post, right? And you have a guy down low like that where if you can feed somebody for a one-timer and have the goalie moving, he's not able to come out of his net and challenge as much, and there's a lot more net to shoot at. But they don't they don't do that. So so it's just like a waste of having somebody 
below the goal line there because he's not there to set up a quick one timer. It's just spacey. I I, I don't know. It, it just I don't I don't want to see it anymore. To me, it it just it's malpractice almost at this point not to have Ehlers on that first power play unit. And I'll tell you what, if they if they run it this road trip with Ehlers there and they go over, then do whatever the hell you want. I, I don't even care at that point. But to me, the one thing that's worked so far this year is just putting your best guys out there and having them figure it out. Um, I'd, I'd rather go down swinging with that route as opposed to let's just keep banging and bashing our head against the wall trying to do the same thing that hasn't worked for a number of seasons now. Um, I mean, that that's the most frustrating part of the night, for, for me at least. There's a few other things that we should touch on, um, goaltending-wise on both sides, and then, I mean, quite possibly the most seismic move of the entire night wasn't a goal wasn't a save wasn't anything it was a hit that you know maybe could have some ramifications somewhere down the line in the central division as well so we'll get to all that and then some other notes around the rest of the nhl in just a sec but before we do that we got to give our friends over at DraftKings sportsbook a shout out where the action never ends with tons to bet on including the nhl tail end of the regular season same with the NBA, the Players' Championship in golf right now. And if Vince McMahon has his way, maybe WWE will make its way to DK. What are we even doing here? What are we, what are we doing? This is a society. We can't be spending on scripted matches. It's real. How is it allowed? Like how, how in any world is that allowed? I don't know, Tyson. I, I, I don't know what planet that would be allowed on, but I'll tell you what, if it does, you can probably make a pretty damn good bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. And the good news is, if you somehow lose a bet in scripted entertainment, you get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 anyways for all new customers. So you don't lose any skin in the game, and maybe you got a chance to make some more big bucks down the line. My suggestion is maybe throw some bucks on March Madness coming up or uh, the NHL playoffs, whatever it might be. Um, some pretty big matchups in the NHL right now. Poor Buffalo. Uh, they they The curtain might have officially closed on them after an ugly, ugly one against Dallas. Um, but a big game on Friday night, Tyson. Oh, no, no, never mind. Scratch that. Blackhawks, Panthers. Not a big game whatsoever. Uh, but some interesting matchups at the very least, which include on Saturday night, one that I am going to maybe sprinkle a little on Toronto hosting Edmonton McDavid back in his home province, almost hometown kind of thing. I think the Leafs all step up in that one. So I'll maybe put a couple of bucks on the Leafs to, uh, to cover and hit the over as well in that one. You can throw down on any other action with DK where it is safe, secure, reliable, where deposit and withdrawals can happen whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the power play is frustrating. Not fun to watch. What is always frustrating as a fan in games is when you get goalied. And it's doubly frustrating when you get goalied at both ends of the ice. And that's what happened with the Jets in this one. I mean, Flurry was great, especially that save late in the third. 
uh what was it on nino niederreiter that that kind of mini two-on-one and he somehow gets a skate out that 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 was the the game right there the jets score on that i think they find a way to win it and maybe even do so in regulation uh but flurry made some great saves he also had a couple of horseshoes up his rear end uh, i mean there was a handful of stops that he made where he didn't doesn't even know where the puck is and it just ends up hitting his shoulder or hitting his hip and and staying out there but it was 2018 deja vu all over again in the worst possible way seeing flurry essentially carry and steal two points um, away from the Winnipeg Jets. But, uh, yeah, not a good one for Helly. Hasn't been a great stretch for him, and it kind of culminated with his first half performance in that one. I mean, for sure, I think, too, you'd like him to stop. The first one's a great shot by Felino. You know, like it does go barred in, and he ripped it pretty good, but one-on-one with the shooter in the slot, like, from from distance, you kind of want your goalie to stop the majority of those. I think Haley would say that he probably should have stopped that one. Um, but it's the third one that kind of officially broke the back of the Jets, right? Uh, it's just, there's no other way to put it. So it's, it's an awful goal. It's terrible. And hello, but probably cost the Jets at least a point, right? If he stops one of those two, you get to OT, whatever happens. Just wasn't. Was it a B for Helly in that one? And the Jets usually comfortably win the goaltending battle, but in this one, it was an absolute KO. The judges scored that one 10 to 4, I think, for Marc Andre Fleury Wednesday night. Yeah. And it's tough because with the Bronx cheer too with Hellebuck, like, I. Well, I well, what, what, what do you make of that? I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, fans can, fans can do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting people, in my opinion. But, like, it's just have a little self-awareness bit, too. Like, in my opinion, he's the only reason you're in the spot that you're in right now, too, for the past couple of years. And it's for a guy who's put a lot of time in to be, like, enjoying Winnipeg. And I think he's really embraced Winnipeg. And his contract's coming up, right? Like, if this team's not doing that great and it comes contract time, he's like, well... Like Hellebuck strikes me as a guy that doesn't forget about this kind of stuff, and I and I think it honestly really bugs him. Yeah, you and, know, you know what it is, Tyson. Doing the Bronx cheer to your Vesna winning goalie, it's really effing stupid. Like that, <laughs> that that's it. I'm sorry, and and we we come from a Philadelphia sports background where you boo your grandma if dinner hasn't been seasoned properly, right? Like that boo booing is kind of in in our DNA. But there, and it's funny because I, to me, if if Jets fans booed him last night and like booed after that goal, I would have been fine with it. Like, yeah, he sucked, boo him. But it's something about the Bronx cheer with go- with your own goalie that it's just like a step way too far. I just think it's stupid, and you're mocking him, right? Like, I I don't know. It it really really bothers me. It bothers me when teams when fan bases do it to any goalie. But let let alone someone that's carried this franchise for five years at, at at the bare minimum to treat him like that. I know it's not everybody, but it was enough that it was pretty damn noticeable on the broadcast. I can't imagine how loud it was in the rink. It was pretty loud. Just, yeah, was- I, I just think it's you. You were there. I, I think it's really dumb. It's just it's it's that simple. Um, boo them all you want, but the Bronx cheer to, that that's reserved for the other team's goalie. Like, don't don't mock your own goalie. And then the funny thing is, once that happened, Tice, I thought to myself, if the Jets can get to three, they're going to get themselves a point tonight. 
because there's no way Hellebuck's letting in another one. And and he didn't. He made some nice saves after that. Unfortunately, it was just you know too little, too late. The damage was done. But and that, so, sorry, that's the other thing too that bugs me about it, is that yeah, it's it's only three goals though too. Like when when's the last time this team scored three goals? Right? Like it's just it's just to me it's just misdirected angst. I guess you could say like it's just I don't understand why he's the guy that should be pinpointed in these and like. There's so many more guys who have struggled this last pass stretch and who you really need to step up. And think, if it wasn't for Hellebuck in that Rangers game a couple couple days, or I guess a couple weeks yeah. ago now, this stretch could look even worse. So it's just, I don't know. To me, it just, it, it bugs me too. I just, I don't like it. Still got a 918 on the season. I know he hasn't been great. I mean, this last stretch of, I don't know what you want to call it, 10 or so games. The numbers aren't great for him, but you're right, Tyson. In that last 10 or so games where he hasn't been outstanding, there is a 980 save percentage and a 51 save victory mixed in there. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't like it. I, I, I think it's, I just, I, there's really no other word. I just think it's stupid. <laughs> like you, you complain that nobody wants to sign here, that you have a guy that, literally wants to sign here and you're mocking him on his way out of town like ah, yeah it's just i don't know be careful what you wish for especially again from a from a couple of guys that have been fans of a team that haven't had a goalie for 30 years you know you got one like that maybe maybe you just murmur under your breath instead of mocking him uh when he lets it his third goal of the night there but yeah i mean it was a tough one no doubt about a tough one for him against minnesota having said that though what does Hellebuck usually do after games in situations like that? He holds the fort down pretty good. So I, I think we're going to see a pretty motivated, um, creepy stare into the camera, Connor Hellebuck, on a borderline must-win game for the Jets on Saturday night. And we'll get to the upcoming schedule in just a bit there. Uh, but I mentioned it earlier. One, one last note I want to get to from the game. Actually, two things quick. The first one, not a lot's going right for the team right now. But the two additions of the deadline have been outstanding so far. Nemestikov, I think, has just been like steady good. You know, like no complaints from him. And he's being put into a situation where they're asking a lot out of him. And I thought he played well. But Nino's just killing it. He's been just awesome. And I thought he had himself another whale of a game against Minnesota. So so that that was great to see the two new guys coming in and acquitting themselves quite nicely. But really the big story out of this one, from a league-wide perspective was the collision I don't even know like I, I don't even know what to call I guess collision is kind of the that is technically what happened there but Logan Stanley takes down Kirill Kaprizov and the wild forward leaves the game and the superstar is out what sounds like a month and what realistically might be for the rest of the regular season Wild fans were losing their minds on social losing their minds about this play. Jets fans were kind of on the other end of the spectrum here. I, I guess try to look at this with unbiased eyes, Tyson. What, what did you make of the play? Dirty, freak accident, or just, you know, sometimes weird things happen? This one is one of the weirder injuries slash collisions in a, because I've never seen anything like this happen before. Like the way he came in with his arms out, like it's just weird how and he like piggybacked them. He pretty much jumped on. He pretty much jumped on his back, 
And I don't know, if, like, that's, to me, that's where it kind of gets confusing, because it's like, I do think that he jumped onto his back, but is that a dirty? Like, that's where, that's where I'm not sure with where to go here. It's like, I think he kind of did it on purpose, in a sense, where he wanted to give him a good run out. But did he like meet the crushes groin or whatever he ended up injury? Like it's a weird one. Like I, I don't want to I don't want to give him total blame for it because it is a very weird one. But it it's reckless in my opinion. I, I'm shocked it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's right in front of the re- like whatever you think about it. He he like jump border like jumps but like hugs grabs him takes him down. And, like, it's a penalty. It's right in front of the refs on, on one of the best players of the game. That that part, that was almost just funny to me. It's like, I need to call the penalty. It's just so obvious. <laughs> the biggest man on the ice is like 10 feet in the air, and you're like, yeah, you know what, That that that's legal. That's allowed. Um, I mean, Wild fans were just apoplectic, saying, dirtiest play ever. Well, look at this goon, blah, blah, blah. That, that, that That's, I mean, to me, that's too much. I, I thought it was... I thought it was just awkward. Like, it was just an awkward play by by Stanley who got caught off guard by Kaprizov hitting the brakes. And if Logan Stanley's six feet tall, he probably just bumps into him and falls over and nothing happens. But because he's, what is he, seven foot eight? Um, because, because he's the height that he is, he kind of leans on top. And then once he does that, it, I mean, it looks like me playing airplane with my, my daughter, right? Like, he just, like, helicopters on top of him. And... Unfortunately for Kaprizov, he, he tried to he tried to squat him and probably shouldn't have done that. And then he ends up getting hurt there. Um, for me, it's a penalty on the play. It's just like two minutes for holding or something. It's just like somehow it's a penalty. But to me, it's nothing more. Like you can you can be penalized for something and it's not dirty. That that to me was what that play was. Like it was more just awkward freak accident as opposed to maliciously trying to injure somebody. Because if he's trying to injure him. Like he's gonna cross check him in the back of the neck in that seat. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna he's gonna do something extremely physical, but you just don't see guys jump on people, right? Like like it's such a non natural hockey act that I I just I can't imagine that he was going into that play with the intent of, you know, let's let's try to hurt Kaprizov's lower body here, so he's gonna be out for a month. Like that that to me is just nonsensical. And and the coaching staff's been preaching for Stanley to like be more physical in all aspects of the game and you probably it's just the way that play went it's just we've never seen anything like that in it yeah <laughs> like i've never seen a player completely end up in the splits with another guy on top of them it's just it's just there's always something new that happens in the nhl every day yeah that's fair that's fair does suck for minnesota though and i mean they don't really have to worry about i think i saw somewhere the Kaprizov injury drops their playoff odds from ninety-seven to ninety-three percent, so it's not it's not a crippling, crippling blow to them. Um, and I think at this point they're kind of well ahead of the Jets enough that they don't need to necessarily worry about being caught for. Right now they're in second spot, just two points back of Dallas, and then Colorado with a bunch of games in hand, pretty close by there. So I mean, it's not you know it sucks for them. Hopefully Kaprizov's ready to go come playoff time, but in the grand scheme of things, you know I, I don't think it's going to be something that tilts the scales too much it's not a season ending injury at the very least for Kaprizov which is great news um so that's it from the Jets wild game tough one didn't love it haven't loved a lot of 
Winnipeg Jets hockey for the past little bit. But they have been, you know, like the points aren't there, but the process is getting a little bit better. If you're trying to look at some sliver of positivity here. And um, boy, oh boy, you better hope the process is getting better because um, <laughs> the process is going to have to be pretty sound, especially in these next few games for the Jets. Uh, the road trip gets underway this weekend with a very difficult back-to-back through the state of Florida. Not as bad as it was last year, but still pretty tough with a matchup against Florida. Then Tampa Bay, followed by a big-time tilt against the Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday night. We won't even get into what happens when the Jets get back home. We'll worry about that a few days down the road here. But what's what would you consider an acceptable road trip? for the Jets record-wise in this. Because let's be honest, process and that is is great, but we're pretty much just in the results business right now. So it's all about how many points they can get. But what would be acceptable to you? Not a good road, because I think good is you go two and one. But what would be acceptable in terms of what the Winnipeg Jets could accomplish here? I think one, one, and one is, is acceptable. Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't, you can't go one and two. One and two is just too. It's you're just continuing that. Oh, we'll get we pick up a win every now and then. Like you need that point just to at least fall back on something, in my opinion. Yep, I think that's it. I don't think it has to be, you know, looked into all that much more. You have to. You, I mean, obviously, you need the win, but I think three points out of six, it at least keeps you afloat. It doesn't sink the ship. I think that's kind of the main thing here. You don't want to like completely torpedo everything, and going three for six. You know, even if, for example, Nashville or Calgary go two and one in that stretch, you're only losing a point, right? Like, so it's not it's not the end of the world, but you've you've got to find a way to go fifty percent in terms of points amassed here. Um, to me, the, the the must win is the first one against Florida. Like, you win that one, and then it's not as daunting. Then maybe you get lucky in a you know not much travel, and you take Tampa. I don't know, but you, you, yeah, yeah, right. Hedman's not out there right now. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay has been playing all that great either. They, they've been pretty down for, for a long stretch as well. So, I mean, I, I think ideally you find a way. You, you beat Florida, and the team's jacked up and ready to go against Paul Maurice. So you get the win there, and then you get to OT against Tampa Bay. And then whatever happens, happens. That, that to me, like, I, and then at the, whatever happens in Carolina, you get blown out. They, I mean, they do that to a lot of teams. But at least that way it's like, Meh, kind of house money against the hurricane. So yeah, I think, no. yeah, I think, I think that's fair. That that three out of six points acceptable, but a good road trip is two and one. I'm I'm not necessarily holding my breath for that to happen. But it all starts with that first one against the Florida Panthers Saturday night in Sunrise. Should be a beauty, and yeah, I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to be up and ready to go for that one, um, as they were the first time these two teams met earlier this year at Canada Life Center. Uh, But that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it there. Pretty good spot to be in. Quickly, Tyson, off the top of your head, can you name another random 2.0 Winnipeg Jet? Let's go. You've got five seconds. Think of one. I'm trying to dig deep. I'm going to go with anti-Mietman. Oh, (laughs) Mittens. Mittens is a good one. Yeah, oh. was one of the guys that I would always sign in like the NHL via GM. Like I don't know why I just always I was like he's he's my third line pointer for the rest of eternity. How about Carl Klingberg? Oh, that's a deep cut. 
that that's a deep, I, wonder, I wonder if that's John Klingberg's brother. There's no way. There's no way to look that up. Um, <laughs> I don't even know why. Like I, these guys are even random to me. He didn't even play all that much for the Jets. But um, that would be that, that would be a hell of a line to have Carl Klingberg, Auntie Mietinen, and then James Wright. Imagine, I mean that that kind of sounds like a fourth line from the Jets in the early goings. Or or even uh, remember Ponikarovsky, his very short stint with the team. <laughs> yeah, that 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 pony didn't have much left in it. That was <laughs> that was uh, that was even more of a bust than the Ole Jokinen uh, era in Winnipeg. Oh man. Fun times. At least we could end with a bit of a smile and on a high note there, talking about how bad the team was 10 years ago. It, they were funny bad back then. Now it's just upsetting bad. But funny bad's okay. We take funny bad. Uh, but, yeah, we'll cap off the episode there, and we'll get back at it next week, obviously recapping a very critical weekend for the club out in Florida before they take on the vaunted Hurricanes Tuesday night. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Once again, with CJOB's Tyson Rowicki, we'll get back at you guys Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. Peace.